0: What is up, Activators, and welcome back to another episode of the Activated Authors podcast with myself, Daniel Motherflipping Wilcox, and here with me every week is...
1: It's Sam Frost, me. Hello.
0: Hello, Sam. How's your week been?
1: It's been all right. It's um, currently half term, so there's been... been, been Ah, yes. Yeah, there's been been lots and lots of miles. He's been playing uh, a new game um, that he's very much enjoying and been showing my sister it. So, yeah, no, it's been good. It's been nice to not have to get up... Uh, to get him up to get him to school. Mm. How about you? What game is it? Uh, Bendy's Dark Revival.
0: Interesting. I haven't heard of that one.
1: It's the sequel to Bendy and the Ink Machine.
0: Seen some of that one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Gotcha. Nice. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. <laughs> my week has been busy. It's my little one's half term next week. I've mm-hmm. got him then, so... I'm trying to front load a bunch of the work to make sure that I can have some free time to try and do some fun things and, and do the dad stuff. Um, eagle eyed listeners. <laughs> what's, yep. what's a good one? Instead of eagle eyed. What's, uh, what's a good one? Bat-eared
1: listeners. Bat-eared listeners
0: <laughs> will have noticed there wasn't an episode last week. I uh, how to say this. I had a thing that I had to do the week before and it took all of my energy out of me. So that is why that didn't happen. And
1: Dan had a little short circuit and needed time for his um, circuit boards to be resoldered.
0: Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like how much to say because it's been a big couple of weeks for Dan and I'm still on the tail out of it. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't say that
1: Dan's had a lot of... um, personal stuff that has taken him to um some places that he wishes he didn't have to go but had to go because if he hadn't gone then the personal situation would have gotten a lot worse it has now been um i'm reticent to use the word resolved because of everything but it's not a case of dan's trying to be like someone that is teasing Uh, things like like that it is just unfortunately there are some things in our personal lives that we cannot talk about whether that is because we want to or because it would be in fact probably in breach of something or other to do so. Needless to say um, if you've got kind of brains between your ears you can probably figure out roughly what it is. Um, Dan has been at no point in any criminal um, issues uh, he remains... For the, this. The, <laughs> for this, yeah. yeah. He remains the cherub-faced um, boy child that he's always been. <laughs> 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 but yes, it's it's been a lot. And as much as I'm sure you wish to scream uh, what has been going on, unfortunately, it would be um, Tantamount. Tantamount? Tantamount. Tantamount to um shooting yourself in the foot head and nose at the same time wow Wow.
0: that about covered it so (laughs) yeah I've been I've just been I've been trying to just Mm -hmm. get back into rhythm like as you say there's been some kind of resolution um which means that now I can actually for the first time in god knows how long actually do a bit of future planning um and sort some stuff the only issue is I don't know what's a future plan right now. So <laughs> I'm trying to figure that stuff out. Um, but moving into, because this is a nice sort of segue into something that I've enjoyed. I finally had this come through after like nearly a year and a half, two years of waiting. So really? for people on, not on YouTube, I'm holding up a free write alpha, which is like a distraction free writer's keyboard. And, um, and I'd seen a lot of like the free write stuff over the last few years. They've got like a typewriter type thing. They've got like a travel, all these different models. And this is like the latest one that they've got. And well, in short, just to describe it, it's essentially a keyboard with an e-ink screen, a bit like a Kindle. And the idea is that...
1: It's a connect- calculator with a keyboard kind of attached. A mm. Um, And
0: the idea is you take it with you. It's lightweight. You turn it on. You type. You can only see the last few lines of your work. And you don't get distracted by Facebook and all the other stuff. Um, and so it's a nice little toy-ass gadget that I've been waiting a long time to play with. And it finally came. I think it was meant to come like August 2022, potentially, if I remember my dates right. Um, I can't have been. It must have been. A long time I've been waiting for this. And it's finally come through. And it is very, very pretty. It's got, I don't know if um, the, <laughs> the microphone will click, uh, pick it up. Nice sticky yeah. clack sound, which is quite cool. Um, and i'm yet to draft on it because i'm currently trying to work out what i'm writing next but i'm looking forward just to having a bit of a play with it and it's got a light on it uh having to play with it and just using it to to draft some words distraction free so yeah. yeah i know that if you <laughs> watched on youtube sam's face says it all she doesn't understand why but each to their own and yep. i'm happy to give it a go and play with it i will report on how it goes up. yeah i'll report on how it goes typing and and having all that fun uh what's something you've enjoyed this week
1: um i have enjoyed sitting on my bed and looking at my bookshelves because i've moved my room around nice there you go that's what i've enjoyed we don't need to delve any deeper into that oh i tell you something though my laptop just told me that it's running low i don't have it plugged in oh dun 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 not very clever of me is it (laughs) Dan, fill the space. I'm just going to mute myself while I find my charger. bat listeners amongst you would have realised that uh, there was a sharp edit there because Dan failed miserably in his mission. <laughs> okay, moving on. Word of the week. Yes, it was your word. Yeah,
0: oligopoly. So oligopoly, meaning mm-hmm. a not a single-opoly, not a monopoly or a dualopoly or a triopoly, but an oligopoly being a market that has multiple different leads. For example, the phone market, for example, you could argue supermarkets. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, did you manage to to sneak the little bludger into a, into a conversation?
1: Yes. Although I don't remember now, so I'm going to say I failed because it's just easier than me trying to remember you did it. Yeah, I know. I Literally, I have no memory of Fair. anything from about five minutes ago.
0: But you did say last week that you did it. So I'm going to take that as a you did it, okay. even without a story. I Mine, I snuck it into a conversation with my yeah. father.
1: Hold on a second before you just start, because you, you've just gone into that like you normally do this. For the first time since this segment began, Dan has actually not only done it, but remembered that he had to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I yeah I, I snuck it into a conversation with my father and he did not pick up on it so that one worked out very very well um mm-hmm. I tried it on you a few times I know that's against the rules but I still tried it uh I try I tried, it
1: all the time I Even I said it's against the rules
0: <laughs> it's just fun I tried it on uh Becca even though she was on the podcast when we set the word mm. and so yeah I achieved oligopoly as a as a word for the first time and so now that means we've got a new word for next week so, Sam, what is this week's word of the week?
1: So, this week, the word is gubbins, just because mm-hmm. I like to say it, gubbins. And I've gubbins. Got the, yeah, I've got the definition here. That's a hot it says, surname. <laughs> it says, this is an object that has little or no value, and is also referring to a gadget or device. So, like, when you can't think of the name of something, ah, oh, pass me the gubbins over there. Ah. Um, yep. Yeah. It can also refer to odds and ends or rubbish and oddly enough can be used to describe a silly person. So basically, much like you not being able to remember the name of any gadget, so the word gubbins is a catch all. It seems like gubbins is a catch all for any word.
0: Mm, so this should be, in theory, easy to fit into yeah. the sentence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Can you think so, of I, any
0: can you think of any gubbins off the top of your head? Like useless things and no value? Like I've got one very, very yeah. particular one in this household.
1: Oh, right. I mean, I've got a person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I shan't name them. Yeah. So my... I've got a
1: drawer full of gubbins. I know
0: that. Well, my my mother owns a spoon rest, which I would consider a gubbin,
1: because mm-hmm.
0: it's a little tiny... Well, it's a bigger spoon that's yeah, flatter that, you, put the spoon that in. you rest a spoon on top of, so you don't get yeah. drips on things.
1: Yeah. What's that catalogue? Betterware. Betterware is essentially a catalogue full of gubbins.
0: Yeah. It's also like a wine pourer, which is like a handle that you wrap around the neck of a bottle to pour. I've got one. Yeah, a hand. Like straight to mouth. Get rid of the cup. Done.
1: But like, yeah, like I I can't even see it being helpful for like someone that maybe like has arthritis or that maybe is an amputee, because you still need to hold it. And mm-hmm. a lot of the time, so my mum has arthritis and needs like certain different devices. So she has things that she puts on taps. That makes it easier so she doesn't have to grip and yeah you know but often for her it's a case of she needs something that she can properly grip around so the bottle actually would be more like, ergonomic yeah than the so yeah that's definitely a gubbins
0: yeah gubbins
1: <laughs> gubbins so how do you spell that g-u-b-b-i-n-s
0: so literally gubbins. right Right.
1: I mean, I know most people listen, but we do get people some people watching, and I apologize because I don't know what is going on with this bit of hair, but it's driving me insane. I've just got a bit of hair that's like keeps like doing this and it's it's we'll all um, it Natalie. vain.
0: Natalie's I've playing got... up again.
1: Yeah. She's been Gobbin. gobbins. gobbins over it. That's a, a very northern word. It's I a feel. very English word. Yeah. And yet it, Gobbins doesn't sound as good as Gobbins. Gubbins. Gubbins. Uh okay then so into our
0: win from the community for this week. So this yes. is a fun one. So J A Mortimer we're going to go for this week because what a they, good surname? I know. They published book 4 of their series. Ooh. Uh and the book is a sci-fi book for people who want to check it out. Like the cover's beautiful. Um mm. it's called Fuel Stop 6 and it's part of the uncharted series and it's book 4. So if you want to check it out go nice. to jamortimer.com or jump into our bloody community and say yeah.
1: hi to JA yourself. Yeah. Activated authors dot com forward slash join don't oh, be a yeah. gubbins jump on in
0: don't be a gubbins show some lovins <laughs> <laughs> mcgubbins <laughs> what is it in um super bad it's mclovin isn't it it's yeah McLovin, that's I <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I, yeah i was doing yep yeah. <laughs> thanks for explaining it
0: <laughs> okay so we don't have a question this week because we have a guest and
1: well i have a question which is how the hell did we get this guest
0: oh mate don't even so Bat-eared viewers among you will um, (laughs) have noticed that me and Sam are both wearing merchandise for the person we're going to be interviewing. Um, And that person is the insanely talented Frank Turner. Now, the question on people's lips might be, what is a bloody musician doing on a podcast for writers? Well, I've got a number of reasons. Sam, what are they?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, right, you want to talk about being a writer, then you need to talk to someone that writes and mr frank turner is prolific in his songwriting now again you might be like yeah but songwriting isn't the same as writing a book all right but (laughs) (laughs) i think the point that you're missing is that most of frank's songs are kind of folk stories autobiographical and actually what it takes to write a song is a very similar skill set to what it takes to write things like flash fiction, short stories. It's about taking the moment that you want to explore and getting rid of kind of anything else around it and still making it completely um, compelling and have it a beginning, middle and end and all the rest of it. And when I say prolific, I mean, he's just about, it's not released yet. It's in March, I believe his 10th studio May. album. Um, is it May. May. Oh, I've got the m's mixed yeah. up oh, what a gubbins but yeah but yeah. <laughs> yeah he is incredible um and a lovely human
0: wonderful human and yeah like there's a lot in there so we speak ab- about the breadth of creativity about yeah. you know um, mental, health. mental health telling the truth of your writing and mm-hmm. as sam says you know that there's A lot of stories in his work, and he talks a lot about the economy of writing a story within the music itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether that is a novel, whether that's a short story, I think there's a universality to the mentality of sitting down, creating the thing, speaking your truth. And he's just a fiercely independent person. So, pretty much most of his success, he's, you know, been with labels and stuff, but he pushes and he hustles, and he's on the cusp of celebrating his 3000th live show in 10 years. Uh, 10 years? Yeah, 10 years, which is absolutely insane. and just to share a story that i didn't have the chance to to share on the podcast with frank because his time was understandably quite limited um mm-hmm. i will say for for people who haven't listened to his music it's well worth checking out his yeah some of his songs cuz he has a full range of like the heavier sort of rock stuff he's got very like sweet acoustic stuff he's got like quite um melancholy uh folksy stuff um mm-hmm. kind of like you said but i i was introduced to frank in 2012 i think it was and i heard one of his songs he had a song called um i still believe which he ended mm-hmm. up performing in the sort of beginning entry part of the london 2012 olympics and i i had only heard that song my friends were going nuts for him and he came to lincoln to do a show at the engine shed which is like the big music venue there and I'd been working all day doing parkour coaching and I was knackered and I'd been in the sun and I turned up to this gig at like 7pm, just still in my clothes from, from work, uh, went into the venue and um, the opener for, for Frank was this older American guy called Tim Barry, who's very like grizzly guitarist. You kind of like literally think of him like with a knapsack and a guitar on his back, that kind mm-hmm. of musician. And he was wonderful. He was awesome. Um, and then Frank came out and fuck me, can Frank do a show? like mm. i've seen frank live two three times now and yeah he man can man can put on a show um and i i was just so exhausted that i couldn't dance i just stood there and watched like a zombie and just got hit with this wave of song after song and like loved everyone and i literally had my friend come up to me being like are you, are you not enjoying this and i'm just standing and staring like exhausted again this is the best gig of my life <laughs> and that was my experience of my first frank frank gig and he's one of those people that I feel like he's got a song for every one of your friends. Oh yeah. I feel like I could go to one of my friends and go, you should listen to this and try that. And they'll love it. And they mm-hmm. love be this person. But yeah, not only is he a wonderful human being, not only is he a fiercely independent, creative, prolific artist, he's just he's Frank.
1: Yeah. Frank.
0: And I think that really he's shines frank. through in this interview. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've kind of hyped him up a lot. So hopefully yeah. this, this kicks ass. Um, But without further ado, we'll kick you over to our wonderful interview with the delightfully talented, insanely prolific Frank Turner. Enjoy. A former member of punk rock band Million Dead, Frank Turner turned his attention to folkier acoustic music after the demise of his hardcore outfit. Since that time, he has transformed himself into a successful, internationally charting, award-winning singer and songwriter of consequential folk punk pop rebel songs. Frank boasts over 2,800 live shows since 2004 and is keeping the spirit of creative independence and rebellion alive with the upcoming release of his 10th album, Undefeated, set to hit stores on May 3rd of this year. Welcome to the podcast, Frank
2: uh the, what a lovely in- introduction that was thank you very much that's kind
0: well it's easy because it's all stuff that you've done um <laughs> but I just want I just kind of want to set the context of this conversation because for some fine. people some people in our audience well our audience are primarily writers and some of the people listening might be like well how does music connect to writing how does this all kind of link together um and obviously a lot of what I want to kind of talk about is you know this independence is creativity it's art which I think is universal among whatever medium you do um yeah. I will preface as well you have Also written a story in a book that you produced with my buddy Tim Levin. Look at you. Well done. That's some good that's some deep research right there. (laughs) I am I am more than prepared. More than prepared. But I kinda wanted to just jump in and say, your your music, one of the things that attracted me to bring you on the podcast and one of the things that i have absolutely loved about your music since i started listening and it must have been about 2011 2012 is story plays a fundamental part in a lot of your mm. songs whether that's you know uh, reviving old historical facts like sister rosetta and you've got things like english first jenny bingham's ghost all that kind of stuff and then more personal stories like wave across the bay and miranda talk to us a little bit about how you see story in the sense of fitting into quite a short medium to tell a tale
2: What a what a question. Um, I mean, uh, I think that sort of narrative as a songwriting device is a cool thing and an interesting thing. And it's something that I've always enjoyed as a listener. You know, Um, uh, I remember I mean, uh, well, I say always like in my solo career, I should say um, quite a sort of crucial moment for me in the process of moving from being in a kind of willfully complicated and oblique. Uh, Post hardcore band, whatever, however you want to describe Million Dead, into doing what I do now was um, I had my friend Jay, who still makes music under the name Beans on Toast, but uh, we'd yes. recently met. And he was the, um, he managed a bar in North London called Nambuka and they'd have lock ins. And at the lock ins, Jay would get a guitar and play these little songs that he wrote about us and things that we got up to. And um, so cool. that was hugely um, eye opening for me because I was busy trying to write sort of complex, extended metaphors. About Polish reform communism or something. Like that. <laughs> I mean, I wish I was joking. Um, and, um, uh, and and then suddenly, I remember there was a weekend when one of our number took so much acid that he thought that, the, that there were Chinese soldiers hiding around his room who were hunting him. And um, uh, the following weekend, Jay had a song called uh, "Steve and the Secret Chinese Army." And, and then, um, <laughs> It, but the immediacy of that and the narrative to it was so striking to me. Um, and it sort of broke. I was sort of getting lost in the weeds, I think, as a writer, I guess, is my point. And like, you know, very shortly after that, I wrote my first quote unquote solo song, which is a song called The Real Damage, which is a story song about a weekend I had where I went out and I lost a day, but thanks to my friend Paul pumping me full of every available chemical in the known universe. Um, and, uh, you know, and... and fun and games i mean obviously you know i think you can do more there's not much of a kind of like <laughs> message to that song she yeah. and you can use narrative arcs you don't have to and i have songs that don't but like i think it's a powerful thing like um uh, I told you I talk too much. The the, no. the thing about um the thing about songs and what I did and it specifically I think is a really interesting kind of it's interesting to look at the history and the kind of mechanics of the art form of the the traditionally three and a half minute long song. Um, there is a strong argument historically to be made that the song was developed by. Um, essentially fast food restaurants in the 1940s who'd done research on how long it takes to eat a hamburger. And the fact that if a song ends around the time that you finish your meal, you tend to then leave freeing up space at the counter. So mm. the fast food restaurants then petitioned the, the recording companies to manufacture shellac in three and a half minute long uh, 45s. Um, so the, that was the kind of constraint on what became popular music. They, they, there are, there's some debate about the kind of exact sequence of events to this, but it, mm. there is a lot of veracity to this. So you, so people say that three and a half minutes is sort of dictated by commercial uh, constraints and all the rest of it. But what I find interesting is that in the world of streaming, at which point the physical constraints of across music full stop have been removed with the obvious exception of some kind of bits of kind of prog and ambient and that kind of thing. A mm-hmm. lot of people stick with a three and a half minute format. Is mm-hmm. that just learned behavior? Maybe, but I also think there's something inherently satisfying about that um, to the human ear or to the, let's say the modern, Westernized it, however you want to put it, Um, you know, and I think that a a story that's told within that period of time is an interesting thing, you know, and it's like, it is a challenge to fit um, uh, a narrative into that. But I guess from a writer's point of view, it's the equivalent of writing short stories versus writing a novel. Um, And uh, I think most writers will know that there is a, a, uh, well, will know way better than me, that there is is a... um, you know there is a set of skills that comes that is required for writing short story that is in some ways distinct from writing an extended piece like a novel
1: yeah for sure we just um well we're currently going through an anthology of flash fiction right um and yeah just that idea of fitting something that is compelling and complete even if it is incomplete in its larger sense sure is yeah it is it's a very tricky thing and so right. you do it's a different skill set
2: yeah yeah and, and the flip side for me is that like i'm well well storied and well practiced in writing three and a half minute long narrative pieces however, whatever they might be um i think that i find the idea of writing a novel let's say sort of basically terrifying um, yes the <laughs> idea of kind of sustaining a narrative uh, device a narrative arc over that amount of sort of time number of words pages is something that like i've it sort of it almost it sits in the corner of my mind, scaring the shit out of me. I'll be honest. With you. Um, mm, intriguing. So, Smoking yeah. a
1: cigar in the corner, just looking at you yeah, like that. Yeah,
2: just giving me evils. Do you know? What I mean? <laughs> like, and, and the thing is, like you know, ultimately, like I guess the musical there isn't really a musical equivalent other than like the concept album. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, there are one or two concept albums, I can, as in narrative concept albums, rather than. I mean, I released a record called No Man's Land, which is sort of a history record, but they're vignettes. They're not kind of linked by an overarching arc. Um, you know, there are narrative records that I love. Um, Separation Sunday by the Hold Steady is probably the best example of that. Or indeed, Seven Son of a Seven Son by Iron Maiden, which is a rad album. And <laughs> um, but, you know, the. the concepts albums broadly writ have a kind of bad press, should we say? And there's yeah. no reason for that, in the sense that there are some really bad ones. Yeah. Um, overblown, <laughs> bombastic ones, should we say. Anyway, so 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 yeah. So I mean I, I might I might have my eye in on writing the short story, the musical short story. The novel is not my thing
1: as mm. yet. <laughs> Something that um I find particularly compelling and interesting about your music is i mean we just said like you you're set to release your 10th album which congratulations and that's insane also the cover art is gorgeous um i have listened to music um of yours from kind of across your career and something that i find that stays with it is truth like it always feels true um and I struggle a lot with different mental illnesses and my mental health in general. And it's very refreshing to hear that like reflected in Mm -hmm. music. And I was just wondering if you could talk um, to us a little bit about number one, how you deal with being creative when it is so difficult when, you know, you're having anxiety or any kind of mental health problems. And then once Mm -hmm. you're kind of through that, like how you use that to, like move forward and create
2: Uh, yeah i mean good questions i mean i think that like ultimately in a lot of ways music is and has always to some extent been part of my kind of coping mechanism i would Mm. say creativity so it's in a funny way it's i wouldn't really frame it as saying that like periods of depression or anxiety which are things that i interact with um in my way and and i've had a well uh, we'll come to that later <laughs> it's it's not so much that they 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 interfere with my creativity they they kind of prompt it in a funny way do you know what i mean or at least you know um it's obviously not as simple as like i feel bad then i play guitar and i feel better <laughs> <laughs> And and indeed, one of the breakthrough moments of my kind of 30s was realizing that whilst music is a necessary condition of my sort of mental health toolkit, it is not always a sufficient um, condition for being well let's say I I guess what I'm trying to say is that there are mental health professionals and they know what they're doing (laughs) and there are times when you want to talk um but uh but you know yeah sort of I mean I guess another way of saying it is that like I I uh, since I started quote-unquote writing songs when I was very young when I was like sort of 11 12 years old they were garbled nonsense for a long time but the sort of the creative act of like you know, I'd learn a Nirvana song and then I'd like swap some of the chords around and write some of my own stupid 12 year old lyrics over the top. But there was a sort of a sense of like, in a way that looking back, I'm quite sort of like impressed by, there was sort of a a sense (laughs) of like creativity was not out of bounds. You know what I mean? It was like, I could also do this. And of course I couldn't (laughs) to the level of any musicians that I cared about. But like there is that fundamental first thing that any creative person has to do, which is to allow themselves to, create you know and some people don't have that and um and i did from when i was very young and i'm very grateful and slightly surprised by that um not surprised but just kind of like i can't really explain it do you know i mean there's no there's Mm -hmm. no backstory to that for me it was just i was like yep this is fine (laughs) um and i'm like what a precocious 12 year old child you were um you feel so like that's
0: so much older at the time as well don't you in those moments you're like yes this is so mature and then looking back you're
2: like oh yeah, yeah. Totally. who was that and, and i wrote an entire record about getting old when i was 25 <laughs> <laughs> um which but many of the songs of which i still sing live and there are bits where i'm like jesus christ dude <laughs> um uh anyway so you know so making sense of the world there's been lots of kind of moments of, of difficulty and pain and all the rest of it that i make sense of through music um the one bit of sort of mental health related stuff that was interfered with that in some way is that i i had uh, quite a fair few broadly written addiction issues should we say mm-hmm. and um uh, I completely and emphatically reject the idea that drugs assist creativity is fucking horseshit, <laughs> um uh, or at least certainly the drugs that I was into I mean um yeah I've never really smoked been into smoking weed it's not really my thing some people say that it helps them be creative and that's legit but like uppers do not help you be more creative It's bullshit they keep you <laughs> awake but um yeah, it's not good. There's not good news that comes out of that kind of mindset, mm. let's say, and getting through that did produce songs, you know, whether you're talking about Untainted Love or Get Better or various songs like that, but um, they they weren't helpful to their, in, immediately to their writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's funny, you mentioned truth earlier, and like, I have always tried to be a truthful writer in what I do. And part of that is because I grew up listening to a lot of confessional music, you know, um, I'm trying to avoid using the word emo generally because it's so. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just it's, it's sort of it's been it's been com- complicated as to what precisely people mean by that. To my to me, emo me, I means a very specific set of bands from kind of the late '80s, early '90s. It doesn't have anything really to do with My Chemical Romance. I like My Chemical Romance; they're friends of mine. But it's yeah. and I'm not sure they think of themselves as an emo band. I'm talking more about kind of early Sunday real estate and of spring and stuff like that. But anyway, it was, all, it was quite sort of visceral. Um, and, you know, when I fell in love a long time ago with that moment of uh, that creative act where somebody says something that's kind of unretractable, you know, um, I, I remember hearing Philophobia by Arab Strap for the first time and just kind of staring at my stereo and saying, did he just fucking say that? Um, like over and over again. I don't know if you're familiar with that record, but it's one of the most brutally, brutally raw self excoriating records you know i got drunk and told you i was thinking about taking a test and you laughed and said i'd fuck anything in a skirt once i'm wrecked you know it's just it's just it's uncomfortable to listen to and and i love it <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, and you know that's a taste thing and not all music is like that that's not true of the lyrics of the Scissor sisters and god them. Um, <laughs> they do like
1: dancing though. <laughs> they do, and they're, they're, and I,
2: I, um, I met the singer from the Sisters once, and he was a delightful, delightful human being. Very oh, nice.
1: that's nice. To know. Um it's always uh, helpful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
2: uh, um, uh, anyway, so um, you know, so I've always been a fan of that—that that kind of moment of, of, yeah, of kind of bone showing through flesh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've tried to do that in my own music. I think it's important to say that, like, I had a moment in my later career as a songwriter uh, sort of in my 30s of kind of understanding you know the classic example for me is Springsteen Springsteen writes fiction in his songs a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, you know, um, I remember <laughs> this is a sidebar but I remember years ago uh, my friend Derek from the band Fake Problems made me laugh for about three straight hours we were listening to the album Nebraska in a tour van and he put it on and the song um, starts my name is Joe Robertson and Derek went no it isn't <laughs> Um, and, uh, <laughs> um uh but uh anyways, but you know, he right he uses fiction to tell emotional truths. And mm-hmm. that was a thing that it took me a long time to kind of really understand was like allowable in songwriting, yeah. kind of as it were. And it's still not something that I do very much um or find very easy. I have done a few songs in that vein. Um I have a song called Balthazar Impresario, which is a a kind of character song um and uh, whilst they are historical characters i did a fair amount of character in inhab- inhabiting uh for the album no man's land but like broadly read, i write autobiographically and um in a confessional style and uh, yeah. that is useful to me and that was a very long answer to a short question <laughs> uh, i love it i told you it's a perfect podcast guest um so obviously covering
0: truth, one of, I think I think it's fair to say that you've lived a very um, different life to what is considered the norm. Um, there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> emphasis on independence. You know, you're on the road a lot. You travel with all these different people. It's a very different life to what people are kind of comfortable with and, and used to. Um, and obviously people listening to this podcast, they're potential novelists, short story writers. They love that artistic life and kind of living away from the norm. But one thing that I find very very strong is that there's always this law to come back there's always this law for from society to go come back to the nine to five this is comfortable this is where happiness lay and right. then you get people trapped in that system for 20 30 years and then they find their freedom on later in life could you just speak a little on your thoughts on that on what it's been <laughs> like to kind of live that very independent artistic
2: life sure i mean i think that the first thing that's important to say is that i'm now old enough to understand that it is not my place to tell anybody else how to live their life i mean this mm-hmm. is all personal reflection and mm-hmm. and like there's something slightly, and I mean, I was entirely guilty of at this certain points in my life. There's something a bit gross about kind of like precocious kind of 23-year-olds being like, everyone should like tell the system to fuck off. And there are people <laughs> can't or don't want to do that because <laughs> they have other life situations. I'm now old enough to understand. Anyway, all my throat clearing out of the way. I mean, like, you know, I... um I got sent off to a boarding school when I was very young, when I was eight years old, which is something I'm increasingly mystified by as I get older. Um, But it kind of like disrupted any sense of kind of belonging to my um, upbringing at a really early age, which was not what my parents intention, but they fucked up because essentially I was like, well, screw those guys. Nothing to do with them. And I discovered punk rock and I started just bunking school and jumping the train to London and just sort of was a pretty independent character by the time I was in my mid teens um in ways that kind of like I, at the time I thought was pretty cool and I went through quite a long time of feeling like proud of this and all the rest of it there there's a fair amount of hurt in that story which it's taken me a long time to kind of admit to should we say anyway um and then you know and then touring being a touring musician sort of became my goal because I read a book called Get in the Van by Henry Rollins um and then I wanted to tour and I started touring at 16 and then I toured until last week i don't know <laughs> i mean you know it, it's been it, i've it's been fun that's, that's what am i talking about i'm sort of summing up my life in one sentence it's been fun um you know it has its challenges um i think that there's a there it, i try again as in my old old age to, to sort of be wary of the bravado of like some people could hack it man and <laughs> no, can't. and i think that's a little trite in places I do think that putting yourself in kind of um unusual and uncomfortable positions is an interesting thing to do particularly when you're kind of young enough to handle that with ease um I th- you know I think that life is short and I think that human experience is broad um and I think that it would be a shame if if you have the opportunity to do otherwise, it would be a shame to spend your life just doing one thing. Having said that, I mean, I ultimately have spent my life doing one thing, which is being a musician. So who the fuck am I to talk about this? Um, <laughs> I always I there was a there was a wonderful quote. Legend has it, and how apocryphal this story is, I don't know. But legend has it that Steve Earle, when he was a teenager, sort of went and found Towns Van Zant, the great songwriter, the great Texas songwriter, and said to him how do I be a songwriter? How do I write songs like yours? And Town said to him, oh. you need to arrange your life in such a way that you could pack up and leave in half an hour. And you need to live your life in such a way that you need to do that from time to time. That's a great quote, and um, I reference that in the song of mine. Um, I am disappeared. Get it.
0: Mm-hmm. My
2: favorite song, incidentally, of yours. Oh, just throw that out you. there. Yeah, well, that is sort of a it's sort of a roundabout Townsend quote, and I have Townsend's initials tattooed on my wrist. Um, anyway, but so so and I think these are all kind of wonderful things. I mean, first of all, life is long, and I think doing different things at different point in your life is completely fine. And there is a time and a place for different approaches. You know, at this point in my life. I'm a bit more settled than I have been since I was eight. I'm 42. So I live in a house now and I have a cat. (laughs) Um, Still tour a fair amount, but I'm a bit more rooted now than I have been Mm -hmm. for a long time. And I'm very happy about that. And it gives me different perspectives and it has affected Mm -hmm. my writing in ways that I'm quite happy about. Do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, ultimately, in a roundabout way, I think what I'm trying to say is that, like, just changing shit up is important for writing. Uh, Or this is in my experience, let's say that. Do you know what I mean? If you just... If you live one type of life forever, then you'll probably run out of things to say about it. (laughs) At a certain point, switch it up.
1: That's yeah. I like. Yeah, I like. I like that. Sorry, that's that's just hit me a little bit. Yeah, I like that. Um,
2: I mean, ultimately, like you know, um, Ian Curtis wrote some of the most powerful songs ever written, and lived a very, very different life to mine. And wrote he wrote about being essentially sort of trapped in a working class um, industrial. Uh, existence which is something I don't have experience of and and his songs are jo- well more successful than mine so happy day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just want to take you back a little bit because you you're saying that you know you are feeling now like you're in a more settled place and you're very happy and that's lovely to hear. Um, you still have obviously the punk it's still very much like part of who you are and it comes through um, in in your music fantastically. <laughs> I had a moment last night where I was just like, the world is burning. The world is fucking burning. And like, no, no one is doing anything. I don't know. And I felt completely helpless and hopeless. And I was just like, I don't know how I'm supposed to move on from this, this moment. And much like you, I turn to creativity when I'm feeling that kind of way. Um, often for me, it's just you know like a painting that I'll just do and it's done, and that it's that was its entire purpose. But like you ha- managed to like really put resistance and anger in in into music in a way that is not only kind of uplifting and makes people feel defiant in a good way um but it's also compelling and and helpful and i I guess just using this slightly as my own therapy session how (laughs) does one take that feeling and turn it into something like that because it it blows my mind
2: that's very kind of you to say. I mean, I don't have a short answer to that. I mean, it's like. That's and fine. <laughs> and, and I would also say that, like, it, it, I don't, I'm not sure that I necessarily find it easy. You know, like, there is something about the way that being an artist, being a recording artist works that you sort of present these finished items and people go, How did you do that? And it's like, By fucking spending so much of my life screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell you, you know. Um, so, you know, it's not necessarily that it just falls out of my head. Um, I do feel like there was a moment in time when I, you know, when you become an established musician mm-hmm. or a successful musician, a touring musician, whatever you want to say, like you kind of start understanding that if you're going to write a song and it becomes a successful song, then you're going to have to sing it a lot. Um, and that's fine, <laughs> but it sort of, it made me sort of think about the utility of songs to a degree, because like on some levels, I mean, ultimately if I feel a certain way, I'll write a song about it, but like mm-hmm. a song that just kind of goes, everything's fucked too. So, is like, I don't want to sing that every single day for another three years, you know what I mean? Yeah. I say everything's fucked, why don't we do something about it or whatever. I think it's important to say that um, I completely know where you come from and feel the same about like the world seems very fucked. I've, I feel like we're in a position that is historically unusual in many ways in the sense that like really the the kind of, northern or western or whatever word we're using sort of project feels like it's on a downswing at the moment in a way it hasn't for a long time Mm -hmm. um for good or ill and for good you know for whatever reasons we can discuss but I think that's historically interesting to me um and I don't but I I I'm not quite a state of the world songwriter do you know what I mean like it's it's more personal than that for me and it's part and my reasons for that is because I haven't found the way it's not even that I haven't found the way to talk about what I feel about it. It's that I haven't found out what I feel about it. Do you know what I mean? I'm still mm-hmm. um, confused and, like, I don't I, I don't know what to do about <laughs> Ukraine or climate it.
1: change
2: but, yeah. <laughs> or, it, or, or sort yeah. of, like, um, infrastructure collapse. And I mean, I'm not sure that infrastructure collapse is a particularly sort of interesting subject for songwriting anyway. Maybe it is. I don't know. Somebody can prove me wrong. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't quite uh, – I try – I I don't love the phrase "stay in your lane" because I think that in so many mm. ways creativity is about fucking lanes off and doing whatever you want. But like, yeah. at the same time, like I try not to speak out of turn about things that, not try not to speak with false authority. I suppose is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, um, I can give you songs about depression, drug addiction, imposter syndrome, and uh, touring, and what you know, all these other things, and pen friends, and whatever else is on the new record. But um, I. Uh, I'm reticent to try and hold forth about what it is I think that we collectively should do about yeah. X. Um, so, uh, uh, but I mean, uh, you know, I I try and I mean, I, uh, I I'm fortunate. I feel into in my influences. I mean, everybody feels like that. Otherwise, you wouldn't be influenced by them. But like, <laughs> I was lucky when I was a kid to come across Black Flag. When I did, there's a directness and a kind of defiance and an urgency to black flag which has always um sort of haunted my songwriting to a degree a friend of mine said to me the other day he's like jesus christ man 10 albums of trying to drive a black flag truck into the um counting crows crowd and you're still doing it um (laughs) yeah cool i'll i'll go with that um so um yeah that should be on my cv really shouldn't it yeah Um, yeah yeah, but, it, but you know, there is a, there was a kind of directness and a kind of no fucking around this to Black Flag that still informs my writing. I do think, you know, I think that this is true of many people. You can take the person out of punk rock, but you can't take the punk rock out of the person kind mm-hmm. of vibe. And, like, there was a there is a, if nothing else, punk rock, from a purely kind of uh, creative technical point of view, um, teaches you that brevity is the soul of wit. Get Ooh. the fuck off. Say what you mean say don't fuck around and um, as much as i adore springsteen i've always thought that you can tell that springsteen's kind of creative moment of germination predates punk rock because like jesus christ man no one needs to see anyone play for four hours (laughs) Uh, you know what i mean and like and and uh, you know he was influenced by it for a minute on nebraska because nebraska is an extremely um concise record and I fucking love it as a result um but you know like jealous Scan by black flags 48 seconds long and it's like it says everything that scene, song needs to say so every time I write a song that passes the 48 minute 48 second mark I'm like oh I'm dawdling yeah. um and uh you know so a, a little bit of uh, concision is a it's a kind of I mean I suppose the writing equivalent is a slightly Hemingway-esque thing do you know what I mean it's just like sort of being being brief and concise
0: yeah and gives a bit of a context i think to to your song eulogy um but I, I, I will have to draw attention. We are getting pretty much yeah. on time and I'll obviously want to be respectful of your time. Um, just two more things before we wrap up. I'm going to just be personally indulgent for a second, if that's okay. <laughs> um, there's obviously a reason we brought you on the podcast. Like I've been a massive Frank Turner fan since 2012 when my friend's first thankfully introduced me to music. I know Sam has absolutely loved your stuff since I introduced her to it. Um, and before we kind of get into the final question, I just want to say a personal thank you because your music, particularly in the last six months, the last oh my six months is some of the hardest of my life yeah That's unequivocal and your music has really been a just base in keeping me moving forward and just the power behind your words and your stories like i just want to say thank you from myself and sam because we really really appreciate appreciate all that you do
2: That's very kind of you to say thank you
0: and kind of on that you know you're bringing more music to us so why should people download mm. undefeated and what are you most excited about what this record is going to bring to to what you do
2: You know, uh, I just think, I think it's a good record. I mean, I know that's sort of a non-answer, but it's kind of, (laughs) some records I have kind of like slightly grand, more grandiose kind of conceptual sort of frameworks that I'm sort of plugging them into. I think that was definitely true of like No Man's Land is the obvious one, but even like Take Big Heart and Positive Songs and, you know, Be More Kind had a sort of Mm -hmm. Conceptual structure to it. Th- there is structures to this. I mean, there was a moment in time when it was concept record about having an argument with my fifteen year old self, and it's not that anymore. But it's certainly that's kind of that is that uh, haunts the record, should we say that kind of idea? There's a fair amount of discourse on nostalgia as being a fun thing to indulge, but also kind of ultimately deleterious for your mental health. That that is a theme that runs through the record as well. Yeah. Um, but I just think it's a good set of songs. I just think it's cool I really like it you know I mean like, me? that's like so one weird. of the things for me like we finished making the record we recorded at my house I produced it myself and my wife said it sounds like you guys are having fun <laughs> which, which hasn't necessarily been true for a few records yeah um and uh you know we're blessed with Callum on drums who it's our first time recording with him our new drummer and he's just a fucking dream and um yeah, I just think it's a bunch of cool songs. about stuff! <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate page. I mean, yeah. There's, there's, yeah, there we go. there's I mean, there's some. You know, there are some more serious songs on there. There's some more fun songs on there. Um, I hope people enjoy it. I'm, I'm really, really fucking proud of it. And where can people find out where to get the record and more about yourself? Uh, well, if you type my name into a website called Google.com, you'll see many <laughs> things. um I've got a website. I've got Twitter. I've got Facebook. I've got Instagram. I've got fucking TikTok, tock god damn it um uh, there are information should in theory be easy enough to come by but with the new record is out on the 3rd of may the singles are coming out as we speak uh, mm. 10 million tour dates coming uh, we've <laughs> announced as of the moment i'm speaking we've released the american dates um i've then immediately received complaints that the american tour did not feature shows in either austria or swindon <laughs> I don't know what what to do with that question. Um, We're going to be playing everywhere. so um, Hopefully I will see anyone listening and indeed both of you at a show in the not too distant future.
0: 100%, 100%. And uh, Sam, is there anything else you want to add just before we wrap up?
1: Just very quickly, thank you. Because I I just echo what Dan said. Like I've had a lot of medical problems this year and uh, Get Better, Recovery. Those kind of songs have like, seriously kept me going so just genuinely from the bottom of my heart thank you
2: that's very kind of you to say and i hope that you're doing okay i hope that you're on an upside not yet <laughs> perfect
0: well thank you so much frank for jumping on the show we really appreciate your time all the best there we go that was the interview with frank turner i know i enjoyed it
1: <laughs> <laughs> i had that thing where like the entire time my brain was going, it's fucking Frank Turner. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's fucking Frank Turner. And like, I had my questions written down, but I was so anxious and nervous because it's fucking Frank Turner that I just, I did the thing that I didn't want to do, which is the reason why I wrote the questions down, which is, was like, here's a question. Let me ask you it in five minutes or less. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're all good. He. I was just gonna say he was incredibly like generous with his answers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like again, if you if you know his music, then like you understand kind of the um, the storytelling, the truth behind what he does, and that really shone through. I thought in just who he was as a person, just a normal, really decent guy. He he's a
0: delightful guest just because he's a talker, as he kind of said on the show itself. But as you know, we said before, there's there's so much in there about you know, creativity, light and that passion. I think if you're someone who is interested in Frank and you want to check out his music and you haven't, obviously brand new album coming out soon. Check that out. I know I will be. Um, yeah. But you can literally go back to sort of his earlier work and you can see the journey and the evolution of a person chronicled in his music. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the things I love is that every time an album comes out, there's a new piece of his history that you unlock. Yeah which is fascinating. And he's someone that's just very open-minded. And I think one of the things that I appreciated the most, um, which has kind of shone through uh, in the interview and sort of in the last, the last show that I saw him as well, is that he doesn't give the straight answer. He doesn't give the prescriptive. This is like, as he says, not everyone should be creatively independent because that doesn't suit everyone. Some people need that. And the world balances on that yin that yang. Um, And I think, you know, it takes a certain level of maturity and experience living the life that he lives to come to that conclusion Mm -hmm. and to, to be able to share that. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like there's a thousand different lessons that can be taken away from this interview. So, you know, whatever you've grabbed, welcome to the world of Frank Turner. Um, Yeah. Obviously we're not zealots, (laughs) 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 but no, we are, we're both very, very big fans. And I I was very, very excited to get the um, email from his agent to say that he was going to come on the show and have that talk. So it came at a very good time. Yeah, as, uh, as we kind of touched on at the end of that interview, like it's been a hell of a, a year for both of us. We, you guys, if you've listened to this podcast regularly, will know some of that and obviously have been on some of that journey. Um, and Frank has been instrumental in just helping us ride that wave. So, one more yeah. time, if he does listen to this again, thank
1: you, Frank. Yes, thank you, Frank. Hashtag like... thank Frank, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, uh, the hoodie that I'm wearing, uh, which has not dead yet on it, which is from the song Get Better um was kind of my anthem throughout uh last year and there was I'm trying to remember exactly how it happened was I like falling asleep and you started to play the song and then I just was I just started singing it at the top of my voice yeah 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 um needless to say like like Dan said like he has been the soundtrack really for last year just because of how prolific he is and how many different songs he has for different moods different situations the guy has lived um and A he's lived on the page as well which is which is you know very refreshing and again there's so many lessons to be taken from his answers but also from his music and i think it's really important as creatives that we do not um pigeonhole ourselves yes like even You know, if say, for example, you are a dancer or you are a writer or you are a like an artist as in like, you know, you paint and that's your entire world and that's all you want to do. Keeping yourself in that lane when it comes to inspiration and it comes to looking for um, people who have kind of blazed their own their own path is folly because there is so much inspiration in the world in general that if we just kind of keep our head down and just look at say um you know authors that inspire us or we just even things like you just look at your own genre like yes obviously there's arguments to be made for for doing that when it comes to research and and all that kind of stuff to try and figure out you know how you want to market your book and 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 all the rest of it but I'm not talking about the business side here. I'm talking about like the heart. Mm -hmm. And I really do think like it behooves everybody to just take your head out of the sand when it comes to the world and where you take inspiration from, because all that happens when you just keep looking at the same things is that you kind of repeat the same thing. And it's, it's um, what what is it? It's um, diminishing returns
0: um yeah, for different words but yeah you got the right word yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so all, all this to say that you know it makes sense to look outside of of what you are doing and what other people that are doing very similar things to you are doing just for inspiration and fresh air really
0: yeah and just kind of to you know punctuate that point um the book that i held up at the beginning of the that, that interview mm-hmm. is called uh, 10 words tragedies and the concept behind it is literally a single line of one of Frank Turner's song that captured the heart of Tim Levin and Christopher Golden, who then created an entire anthology mm-hmm. where they spoke to Frank, got his blessing, got a bunch of the resources that inspired that song and then distributed them to writers to create an anthology. So, like, there's no limit to kind of where creativity can start and where it can stop. Um
1: and Mr yeah. Turner wrote a
0: story for that book as well, didn't he? Frank Turner wrote a story for that. He did, yeah. Yeah, he did. His first ever uh, written piece of fiction that was in the back of that. Not a novel. No. Not a novel. The
1: novel's still sat in the corner giving him evils. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't really say it better than that. So that is Frank Turner. Um, check out his music. Check out his latest album.
1: Um, check out check- his tattoos. I mean, come on, guys.
0: Amazing tattoos. Just, tattoos. yeah.
1: It's not fair. <laughs> so many
0: yeah but yeah that brings us to the end of this episode so we hope that you enjoyed that um and there's nothing left to say really from us other than a massive thank you to you the listeners for tuning in we appreciate you and the time you choose to spend with us each and every week and as always if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career head on over to
1: activatedauthors.com forward slash join
0: (laughs) to find out all about our community our resources and everything else that we've got going on one more time from myself and from Sam we will see you next week goodbye bye bye activate your energy